Hey friends, I'm Ash. I'm Elle. We are Lavi Cosplay. This is Shenanigans Cosplayers Say. And we are bringing you our episode on Colossal Con North 2023, which was roughly two weeks ago. Yes, it was the weekend before American Thanksgiving. That's right. Yes, for our non-American listeners, we had a holiday recently, so, you know. What? But, but first. But first. International contest updates. Yes, we do have uh, international contest updates. <laughs> As per usual, we have international contest updates. So the same weekend, we had, I say we, <laughs> the collective we, the community we, are to play before Christmas cosplay in Paris, France. Third place went to the UK which was Captain Amelia cosplay as Sylvie from Loki. Now, Captain Amelia was one half of the UK duo team for the International Cosplay League when we went in 2022. So congrats, friend. Second place went to France, and this was Keely's cosplay as Princess Aurora from Child of Light. And first place went to Italy, which was like Linda as Celine Vassos from Returnal. And scene. And scene. <laughs> So um, Art to Play, in case you don't know, is an international contest where you actually submit a portfolio, and then by that portfolio, you get chosen to represent your country. And it has an itty-bitty turnaround time. Yes. Well, at least for Art to Play, yeah. It's pretty quick. You better have that yes. costume done and that skit ready, because you're not going to find out too much more before you have to go. Because I want to say it's only like seven weeks between when submissions close and when the contest actually I occurs. I believe that is correct because you find out about Polymanga, which isn't till like Easter, usually in like December. So, but Art to Play gets kind of the short end of the stick. So Art to Play submissions are in September and you go in November. November. So, so. you better be ready to go. And hope that your job doesn't need too much notice for you to go to France. Then, like Elle already said, we went to Colossal Con North that yes, weekend. Yes, we did. And boy, were we busy. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. 10 hours of programming is a lot of programming. This is fine. Everything's fine. on fire. And this is this fine. Is fine. Everything. Yes. It was a lot of programming. I'm okay with it. But it was a lot of programming. So we did a combination of our entertainment programming as well as our mental health programming for Colossal Con this year. Uh, we did the meet and greet again. We did. We still hate boothing. I think we're going to do that ever again. Boothing? <laughs> well, maybe because it's just <laughs> awful. Like, So the meet and greet this year, you didn't get to pick your table. They took you to one and we got a table in a terrible location. So, like, our backs were turned to the door, and we were kind of in the middle of the room, so it was like we missed a lot of the traffic. So unless people were coming specifically to see us, you probably didn't see us. So it was kind of like, all right, cool, we're here, but we're not doing anything. And there were definitely, like, a couple of tables that I think that would have been better if they had been on the perimeter. Right. And most of them were cosplayers who had displays. Right. But we did, like, like Elle said, we didn't get to pick where we went. It was nice to have a space where people could come find us. But yeah, I don't know if it necessarily, I would like to sit there as opposed to doing, let's say, 12 hours 
programming. Uh, no, 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 no 12 hours of programming. What? No, no. For a three-day con? No, thanks. For a three-day con where we learned that doing Sunday programming probably isn't going to be, like, worth doing? No. I mean, I feel like that's a con, but that's I know. because I don't like Sunday This one in particular, though. drive so far. Well, this one in particular just... I think people are too drunk and hung over to do Sunday. Sunday. Like they just can't. It's really? like they just cannot do Sunday. But we'll talk. Our they Sunday programming Sunday. actually did shockingly well, considering how Sunday is at this convention. So I, we'll get there. I went to sleep on Sundays. And yes. I don't want to drive really far. I don't but... want to perform a variety show on Sunday ever again. Despite the fact that it went very well, I don't want to do that again. But anyway, Friday. Um, Yes. Banners. So I got banners, and they're so fun. Our banners are cool. I'm so excited. They are we'll cool. To show you guys a banner. And we do have our Phil Standies came in. Oh, cute! They're real cute. Um, we made Barbie pronoun pins, which I thought were gonna sell really well, given the response to them online. And we have a ton of them left. So at some point, I may sell them myself online because we have a lot of these pins. Um, because we did not sell them. The discounts are important. Yeah, we did not sell them <laughs> in the quantity anticipated. And I think a lot of that had to do with we were just in a bad location. Honestly, unless you were the table in front of the door, I don't know how you would sell anything with the way that room is set up. So we do have merch. We do have merch, which we then sold during our show. And we actually sold more stuff during like 20 minutes after our show than we did in the entire four hours we were in the meet and greet. So... You're not wrong. So guess what? We're just gonna keep doing. <laughs> so whenever uh, we get the, the two hour, cool with it. I mean, whenever we get the two hour block for our show, merch. As yeah, long as the con's cool with it, we can totally do that. Yeah, we we just know certain cons don't allow stickers. So, and certain cons don't allow vending outside of the vendor. That hall. is also true. <laughs> so they you typically know. make uh, exceptions for bands and things. So, um, yeah, lots of health programming. Yes. Um, we did Express Yourself, Cosplay, Identity, and Belonging with special guests Celtic Honey and Betsy Bo Peep. So this panel kind of covers a variety of things about play in adulthood, um, self-expression, representation, things of that nature. We have an episode on it. We also actually remembered to record this one. So I do have a recording of this panel. I, however, do not have a recording of the Congo or Survival Guide because I forgot to record it. Yeah. Um, although the one thing that Express Yourself has told me is that maybe we just have to have a Bluey panel. I know, Like, right? just a panel on Bluey. Um, I feel like that's totally acceptable. I feel like that people would attend that panel. Yes, yes. I would attend that panel. Um, so a Bluey panel where we could talk about interpersonal relationships and play and play that's very important yes um and if we wanted to have a representation panel i would talk about miraculous i mean i would talk about miraculous all day anyway but well right i don't hate this idea appropriate attire to wear to a blue i mean we do we have kiggos (laughs) that we can wear to a blue panel so as long as it's not like 100 degrees (laughs) i have a bluey sweatshirt we get bluey t-shirts like i have a couple bluey (laughs) t-shirts it would not be that hard Maybe, maybe we'll do a if you ha- panel. If you've never seen Bluey and you're like, what are they talking about? Please go watch it. Go <laughs> watch it. It's, it's uh, precious. Yeah. It's an Australian quote-unquote kids show. <laughs> Definitely for adults. Yes. But it's just, it's good, wholesome content. And the episodes are super short. 
I just joy. I love Bluey. I want a combination of like Bluey games and like mental health Bluey related content all wrapped into one panel. You can make that happen. Yeah, I feel like that should be a thing. And then it has to have a Bluey related panel name. Yes, it does. My beans. <laughs> I was gonna go with like keepy uppy. Well, to yes. go with like the whole like positive vibe thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, that would make more sense. In which clearly we also have to play the game Keepy Uppy. And Xylophone. Magic Xylophone. <laughs> yeah. And now you have all of the non parents that are like, I don't know. And what's asparagus. Going on. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and just Muffin. Ah! Can we just have an entire category? It's just Muffin. Muffin. <laughs> just muffin. The purpose muffin. and point of muffin's existence in oh, this show. I love muffin. I know I love muffin. She's great. She is the best. Oh my god. <laughs> uh oh, we're just gonna have to do a bully panel. That's it. But yes, we did the Congo Survival Guide as well. We did not record it, which is unfortunate because it was actually a really good panel. I and... really like the the format that we have set up for this yes. one because it's just very like relaxed yeah so it has a a menu of things you can ask about especially if you can't think of questions so yep. it's kind of to help prompt the audience um in case they can't think of questions to ask which i like this. and it's not death by powerpoint which is also very important right it's not driven really like i did have some visual aids but it's not driven by the powerpoint so um powerpoint is literally just a menu um, which is kind of nice to have, which is how um, NeuroSpicy is also set up the same way, but we unfortunately had to cancel that one um, because we had to reallocate some of our hours to a different event. So we'll get there. Okay. Later in the week. We'll get there. A Saturday night problem. Yes, because we did the live show on Friday. It was a good time. So we did the new edition of our live show. So we have some new things that we've added, some new games, new elements, a new closer. Yep. New and old, kind of. New and old. Um, we will have multiple new closers this year because we do have shows that are in close proximity to each other. Geographically. Geographically this year. We have actually three so far that are close in proximity to each other. Yikes. So we need to have different closers, at least for two out of the three, you know, just to shake it up a little bit. Makes sense. So, yes, our next one will have a different closer, ideally. An Favorite. old one, which has now evolved into another <laughs> extended performance. <laughs> you know. You know. Yeah, our special category for this was Colossal Chaos. So we talked about some of the um, unique ridiculousness that happens at colossal con events different things that we see happen at you know colossal con's got this thing with like cult of all the time and you know cheese cheese in the hot tub the hot tub was broken by friday <laughs> it didn't take I mean, long it came back it did come later. back but it was broken by friday like at five o'clock I don't want to know why. I don't want to know why either. <laughs> I don't want to know. That's a, more information than I yeah, need. Yeah, I don't need to know why it was broken. But it was broken. It broke. Again, be nice to your hot tubs or you don't get to use them anymore. Saturday, we introduced a new entertainment panel. Yes, we did. It was super. Um, 
entertaining. I look forward to see where this particular show goes. So, like, shit cosplayer say is is what it is as more of a stand-up comedy. And this is very much a, like, guided improv show that has the potential to be drastically different every single time. Yes, as it should be, as we continue on our quest. On our quest. Uh, yeah, pure chaos. Um, special thanks to Caroline, the half-orc ranger folk hero That's who joined right. us. So in Bardnanigans, the audience collectively is the third party. So what we decided to do was instead of singling out like a couple audience members, the entire audience functions as your third party member. Everybody's involved. So the challenges and the different things that we do involve the majority of the audience. It involves audience input. Like it is an engaged, interactive performance, which I haven't really seen. I'm sure other people do it. I just haven't seen it done that way. I usually see what happens is they pull like three or four audience members out and then they play more like a D&D style. Mm-hmm. Um, thing but we are playing two bards who are on a quest who are not very good at their jobs so we need your assistance to help us survive our quest did survive the quest barely because we also very short notice had to shorten the show to an hour um because it was it 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 is it needs to be two hours long and we had to try to do it in an hour which we did we were able to like create a story and wrap it up in an hour but it is not meant to be an hour show so but we learned lots of important things we did like um minnow needs to work on her bedside manner she sure does um tiny spell bookworm wizards are sassy yes we have a very special um <laughs> element that gives us advice <laughs> Oh, sassy. Um, Penny loves mushrooms so much that we wrote a haiku about it. It's true. It's true. My tiefling is obsessed with mushrooms. Like, obsessed with them. Strange secret fungus. They can make you powerful. Eat at your own risk. It's true. Uh, yes. Uh, we almost got eaten by a whale. <laughs> That's true. That was the um, the almost not surviving part. Yeah, we almost got eaten by a whale on our ghost pirate ship. Our gay ghost pirate ship with gay whales who might be happy or gay. We don't know, but we can't decide for them. Well, no, <laughs> we know that they are gay, but we don't know if they are happy, happy or homosexual right. or both. Right. We don't know because we can't decide that for them. And I don't speak whale. And I asked, yeah, so we don't really know. We don't I really mean, know. I mean, I can speak whale underwater, but we were not underwater. We were on the boat. Yeah. So we can't answer that question. Cause and also, don't. I don't. I don't care because I don't judge. That's right. Well, we don't care. <laughs> yes. We don't care. Uh, but ultimately, karaoke dance parties save the day. It's true. As it does. It's true. It's now true. I want to know what people's thoughts are based off of that very short description. So be sure to go to the Instagram post well, and tell us. I did remember to record Bardanigans. And although I will not post the whole thing, I may do a highlight reel at some point. Um, yes. Um, keep it secret. Keep it safe. Because we got to keep it secret. Keep it safe. Um, because we want you to come and enjoy our chaos at whatever next show it is that we do Bardanigans at. So definitely say that shit cosplayers say is something that you need to experience in person. <laughs> like shit cosplayers say, I think could be enjoyed seeing a recording of or hearing a recording of, but Bardanigans, it you all part of the experience. Yeah, it's it's an experiential kind of thing. So 
watching a video of it is not going to be the same as you being in the audience being part of the show. Because if you are there, you are part of the show. Like, that's that's how this thing works. So, because it's a choose-your-own-adventure, so you need to help us choose what adventure we're having. But we did walk through the woods. We did. We did. And we saw things out of the corner of our eyes. We so. also went to a panel. <laughs> we <laughs> The best panel. The best panel. Oh, we're talking to Volson's Chamber Bash, <laughs> and they're like... Hey, you should come to Beyblade Beattown. We're like, tell me more. You don't understand. It was so good. I also feel like we should probably not tell people what this is about. Um, and it's really one of those things that you just have to witness in person. All we can tell you is Beyblade tournament emceed like a sporting event. It was amazing. Imagine you're watching like WSOP or like ufc or other types of like mma fighting except it's a beyblade tournament yes and it was amazing to witness we gave them some constructive ideas to get even grand already is which is it's already there 100 percent would go again even with it being like after my bedtime on saturday nights thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it now that was hysterical i do if you see that on a schedule go because it was great well and i don't i think this is the only colossal con they do it at right now that's so sad because i think it started at north okay is what it sounds like if somebody wanted to do a beyblade tournament and so uh, manly battleships was like okay let's do it and they needed someone to MC it so they were like Zach and Jim, what are you doing? Do you want to MC a Beyblade tournament? And Zach's like, I don't know what that is. And Jim's like, I got you. Because apparently his kid watches it. And then this magic was born. Magic. Yeah, it was 10 out of 10. Highly recommend go witness this if you see it on a schedule. It was was the thing we needed on Saturday night. It was great. It was so good. Oh my god, it magic, was so magic. good. So, um, on Sunday... Oh, our programming that we're like, it went really well, but I never want to do that so, again. So, um, it's been a long time since I've produced anything. So we used to produce shows, not infrequently, or assistant producing shows, and running contests and things like that, quite frequently in the past. It's been a while. Um, but I decided that, you know, we have idol shows, we have drag shows, we have burlesque shows, but you never see a variety show at conventions. It's always really specific. It's idol, drag, burlesque. And I was like, what if we produce a legit variety show? So a showcase of, you know, seasoned rehearsed performers that do a variety of different types of performances. And we pitched this to colossal con and for some unknown reason they went here have a stage <laughs> with like, just a stage main stage main yes. stage so unfortunately by the time they decided on it i didn't have a lot of time so auditions weren't open very long so if you're like why did i not hear about this i literally had i could only have auditions open for like two weeks um because i had i had very very little time to put this together by the time everything got figured out um with colossal con but 
I am extremely grateful for the wonderful performers that we had and being able to work with them. They all were more than professional, did an excellent job. So we were able to put on like a legit variety show. We had martial arts, we had flow, we had singing, we had like musical theater, we had comedy, we had burlesque without the naked part, <laughs> I guess. Um, more like a sketch because we had burlesque performers in our show who did PG-13 acts. It was like burlesque with more clothes on and less sexy <laughs> and more silly. Special thanks to our stage manager, Laughing Rat, and her two friends that she brought with to help out. We appreciate you. Um, our performers were Betsy Bo Peep, who is a local to the Midwest nerd-lesque performer who has been performing for a number of years, but she also does um, theatrical performance, comedy, different types of performances. Her final performance is one you don't want to miss um, because you can watch this entire show um, via Fox Den Media on their YouTube. So thank you, Fox Den Media, for recording the show. Um, we brought in Scapegoat, who you may remember as the best performance from last year, who is a professional singer. So she sang some wonderful musical theater numbers for us. Um, we had Celtic Honey, who is a nerdless performer, but also a flow and martial artist. So she did some martial arts and flow performances for us. We had um, Dead Rebel Comedy, who is a stand-up comedian. We had Chaotic Queer Cosplay, who is a duo who did a Fun Adventure Time uh, skit performance for us. And then I finally got my Harley routine recorded. Because it's only been since 2020 that I did that at C2 and have no video. So I did add extra onto it, but I do finally have a recording of that. It's not as good as I wanted it to be, but I will be perfectly honest. I was severely ill this entire con. And not this is no shock to anybody that's been listening. I know. Um, and not contagious ill. Just I was sick like a couple days before, and it kicked my chronic thing in, and I was just really sick this entire convention. So, um, if I seemed really off or not as energetic or you know whatever as you would have expected me to be, I was very sick. Um, I was doing my best, <laughs> but it was very hard to do my best. Um, Sometimes you need that. It was it was rough. It was it was a rough. Uh, I was I was very sad because I'd been looking forward to this weekend for a really long time, and I ended up having to be sick during it. It was unfortunate for me. You know, maybe I'll get lucky in the next event. I won't be sick. We'll see. I've been sick for four of them now in a row. So oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I, but I I didn't miss this one completely. That was also because I couldn't imagine what would happen if I was like, I'm going to stay home. Um, we <laughs> but, didn't have to take you to the ER in the middle of the event. We didn't, which is good. But I was that questioning was that at, at one, one point. point. I was questioning whether or not I was going to have to go to the ER. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that you know, but it's OK. I'm OK. I'm fine. I am alive. That's important. I'm alive. I'm still not completely well. Special thanks to our friends in tech. Yes. It was great to see you again, as per usual. Them. Um, they're hysterical. We love the tech guys from Colossal Con. They make us very happy. 
ultimately we did get tons of great feedback from people that saw it all the performers were really excited to have this type of outlet because i think once you get to like a certain point you're like i don't i want to be able to do something without having to like eat or take my clothes off and there's just not a lot of those opportunities. That's so. a thousand percent why <laughs> that's me. Yeah, I know. Because sometimes so. I want more than two and a half minutes and I don't want to have to worry about whether or not I made my costume or this costume's been in a contest or whatever. And I love burlesque. It's a wonderful art form, but I don't see it as like being something that I would do frequently. You know, I... I want to be able to reuse a lot of the performances I'm already using and the costumes I'm already making more than once. And like Harley has been used to death to the point where I took a look at her after this weekend and went, I cannot put you in a craftsmanship contest anymore because you are worn to death. She also doesn't fit anymore. So that was fun to discover. She's way too big now because I've lost a lot of weight. This is so... That was fun. I need to make like specialized padding to put in that corset to get it to like fit a little better. But I just I'm like, I, you've been used to death. That's kind of nice that I've gotten like that much use out of a costume because we don't normally get to do that. So absolutely, you know, I have costumes that have performances that I'd like to do more than once. We have stuff that we'd like to do that doesn't fit in a contests as well. You know, could fit into a burlesque show in some cases some of them are like of the 18 plus variety but a lot of them aren't and so then they're like well we don't want that because it's not 18 plus so we fall in this weird land where it's like we don't fit into the three boxes (laughs) that you're given because you're given idol drag or burlesque and we don't fit into those i can i can almost because i get asked if i'm a drag performer every once in a while and it's like i guess i mean i probably could put myself in that box if i wanted to but i don't want to like, I like what I do. I just want a place for what I do. We created this, and it turned out that a lot of the people that auditioned for this show felt the same way. They wanted to do something different. And even the ones who do Nerdlesque were like, it was really cool to do something else. Like, that was kind of neat to have this opportunity to show my performances to a different audience. And we, shockingly, on a Sunday, we had a decent amount of that room filled. Uh, we had a decent crowd. Yeah, we did pretty good. You know, there was a lot of... Sunday afternoon. (laughs) We got a lot of great feedback about how good the show was. And um, I know the the higher-ups were really pleased with the show. They stopped. They weren't able to watch it. There was apparently a fire. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, cons. Literal fire doesn't Um, surprise me. Things happen. You know, they got, um, you know, what they saw they really, really liked. And they've had really good feedback about it so far. So if you want to see our variety show at a con near you, please let them know. Because we would love to do this at more conventions. And so the idea behind it is we don't bring a troupe. So we're not bringing like a set group of people. What we want to do is showcase the local talent in the area that the convention is in. So although we might bring like one or two people in with us at one point or another, what we want to do is showcase the talent that is part of that community. So every time we do this show, we will do auditions. So we, I do auditions through a Google form, and so you submit a video of the exact performance you want to do, and then that's how I choose who's going to be in the show. You know, if we go to a con near you, we're not going to be bringing people with us. It will be your community that we showcase. So hopefully, it's just a little bit of everything. I was it's very pleased with the variety. 
that we had. In the variety in show. The vari- well, because sometimes it'll people will call something a variety show and there won't really be a variety. It'll be like, it's all the same. And we didn't have anything that looked like anything else. I mean, it, it was, was all... karaoke hour. or Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was all drastically different, which was, was really it nice. It was nice. And the it flowed really well. Yes. I did a good job. Good job. I was very nervous about producing this because it's been a long time. Old star. But I hadn't worked with professional, like semi-professional, professional performers for a while. It had been mostly like contests. Um, so it was a lot easier, obviously, to do a show with just people who are used to doing this frequently. Like they could manage themselves. Speaking of people that did a good job, shout out to all of our masquerade contestants yes. that were able to make the show. Um, for those of you who felt like you could no longer participate, we totally understand oh, yeah. and hope you were still able to enjoy your weekend despite your change of plans. Per usual, going to go ahead and read through our award winners for woo, you. Woo. So uh, the three Craftsmanship Judges Choice Awards went to um, Colorful Crow as Alula from One Shot, Underland Live Cosplay as Johanne, Mari, and Chica from Love Live, and Dramatic Ducky as the Fairy Godmother from Shrek 2. Third place novice went to O'Donnell Hara as Finana Ryugu from... Nina Sanji N, um, which is a VTuber. Mm-hmm. Lots of VTubers in the show. There were a lot of VTubers in the show, which I still, that's that's a future like deep dive of trying to understand that community. Sure. Um, <laughs> More of those social things. Yes. Uh, second place novice went to Arayumi as Cotton Cookie from Cookie Run Kingdom. There were also a couple of people from Cookie Run. There was, which, um, those costumes are cute. I am not familiar with Cookie Run, but now I feel like I need to go find out well, what this is. I know, because all these, I'm like, that's a cute costume. It's like, oh, Cookie Run. What is Cookie Run? So yeah, now we're going to have to know. Uh, first place novice went to Nick Brost as the Huntsman from Monster Hunter Worlds. Third place journeyman went to Hidden Gems Cosplay as Gemini Tay. From Hermitcraft to Season 9, which is also a VTuber thing. <laughs> uh, second place journeyman went to and Nick Sayani as Goblin Slayer and Priestess from Goblin Slayer. And first place journeyman went to the Sun Slayers as Chenjiro Kamado and Yorichi Sugikini from Demon Slayer. First place masters was Craft Christie Costumes as Aerith from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Third place performance went to the Waifu Harem as Kana Aryama, Ruby Hoshino, and Memcho from Oshinoko. Second place performance went to Dramatic Ducky as the Fairy Godmother from Shrek 2. And first place performance went to Lucky the Creation as Gargura, which is also a VTuber. It was announced as Shark Girl. Yes, she was cute. Super cute. And then Best in Show went to... NX's Nightmare and Cradle of Arms cosplay as Millennia, Blade of Mikella, and Clean Rot Knight Finley from Elden Ring. Yes, yeah, so congratulations, Ta-da! everyone. That Yes, we shall round of applause you. Now everybody that's listening to this episode, where they're like, we are almost 40 minutes into this. Well, I'm going to end up cutting some of this down, but this ended up being almost two episodes in one because we have a 
giant elephant in the room that we have to talk about. And we needed extra time because we needed to figure out how we best wanted to address this situation. Um, so we did not want to jump into anything. Yes, that's a very nice way of saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we, we needed our time to figure out the best way for us to compose our thoughts yes and finish our i guess the research was finished pretty early on yeah um so just as a reminder or a disclaimer or however we were not present when the initial exchange occurred that we're about to talk about um information that we're including here is based on information that was either distributed to contestants either by text and or email which we have copies of um, as well as firsthand accounts published on social media from either cosplay department members, judges, and or contestants. At the time of this recording, Nostalgia Conventions, uh, also who runs Colossal Con, Colossal Con North, has not made an official statement regarding what happened. We were not a part of the cosplay department for 2023. We did MC in 2022 but we were not directly involved in the cosplay department this year. No, we were not your MCs. They had their official MCs, Zach and Jim, do the cosplay contest. So what happened? Yes, now all of you who don't know are like, what? Why are we talking all this legal-sounding jargon? Why Why is there a... This episode was like over. What's going on? Everybody's sitting on the edge of their seats now. This, like, yeah, this legally-sounding professional no. jargon that's happening in this episode all right ultimately a verbal exchange between the cosplay contest coordinator and two higher level colossal con staff members escalated in the hallway outside of the cosplay room all cosplay contest staff including contest judges quit and left their posts as a result of the altercation a physical note was left on the table outside of the cosplay room, indicating there would be no contest and that staff had quit. A text message was later disseminated to contestants from the coordinator, indicating that contest staff had quit, but that the contest would be held for those still wanting to participate. An email was later disseminated to contestants from the convention, requesting audio to be submitted, for them to report for new judging times and reminding them that rehearsal is at 3 p.m. So all of this happened on Saturday. Staff who quit had their staff badges and staff rooms revoked, and the contest was held as scheduled at 5 p.m. That's the bare bones. That's what we can confirm occurred. Yes. Okay, so we're going to deep dive this a little bit. I, I'm also going to preface this with, if you all are hoping that we're going to throw tea at you, it's not going to happen. So if that's what you're here for, Believe. We're, we <laughs> don't participate in rumors and bashing and any of those types of behaviors. So it's not going to happen. But for those of you that have been with us before, you know that we both have backgrounds and mental health crisis intervention that's right talk about that yes so ash had a great idea to approach this from a crisis intervention response and kind of talk about why this may have occurred and what this response why this response may have occurred 
We're going to be super boring. We're going to talk about crisis and then we're going to talk about business. Yes. <laughs> so if you're not here for that, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> But sorry. that's what you're getting. <laughs> Based on the description of what happened, um, as counted by contest staff, accumulation of events ended up resulting in essentially a physiological, so physical, crisis response. It doesn't matter what the verbal altercation was about. I'm assuming that this is going to be more so like the straw that broke the camel's back following compounding related and possibly unrelated stressors leading up to this point. I want to remind everybody that the emotional responses and experiences that people had at a particular point in time, um, everyone involved, those are 100% valid that they experienced what they did physically, emotionally, mentally. And I'm also really happy that they, they have each other and that they received so much community support after what happened um, and that they were able to take some time away, relax, and presumably enjoy their time together despite what happened. So we're going to talk a little bit about phases of a crisis. So the CDC describes four phases of a crisis. Phase one is normal stress and anxiety. So this is going to be like exposure to a precipitating stressor that's considered kind of like a minor annoyance with an everyday life. Anxiety levels or stress responses begin to elevate. And then the person's going to try using previously successful problem-solving techniques to attempt a resolution of whatever the stressor might be. And then at that point, they're, ra- they're still rational, um, in control of their behavior, and in control of their emotions. Phase two, that's when we're going to have rising anxiety levels. Ella is very familiar with rising anxiety. I, yes, I think that was part of my illness issue from this weekend as well. <laughs> um, so problem solving techniques that you're used to using aren't relieving your stress at this point. So you're trying those past coping strategies, but you're not successful. Your anxiety levels increase. You start experiencing increased discomfort. So you've got feelings of helplessness, confusion, Possibly disorganized thinking at this point. They might have tachycardia or tachinipia. I totally just butchered that word. Tachypina. Yes. Bad things. <laughs> you know, with your heart and breathing. Difficulty breathing. Rapid <laughs> yes. breathing is tachypina. Um, yes. You need important things like, you know, your heart and your lungs to function properly. Breathing at this point, they might not be. <laughs> is important. Your Um, heart rate is important. This person might have um, like a high-pitched voice, a more rapid speech pattern. If they have any sort of like nervous habits of their fingers, some people like click their tongues or, you know, their eyes starts twitching. That kind of physical response might be a little bit more evident. Moving on to phase three. This is when we're kind of getting into those like severe levels of stress and anxiety. We're trying to use all of our resources, both like consciously and unconsciously. We're going through everything that we know that works to to calm us down, to try to get our heart rate back to northern back to normal. You know, you might try but using like either like box breathing techniques, or you might try to like physically ground yourself either with another person or a physical object. You know, you're trying everything kind of in your tool belt as far as what you know has worked for you in the past. You're looking at things from other perspectives, and you're trying to come up with new ways to problem solve. Reason at this point is to become significantly diminished, and your behaviors are going to be a little bit more unpredictable and disruptive. Um, this is 
a lot of time you're going to see like the tightening of the jaw or the clenching of the fist. Communication at this point is probably escalated. So this is where like the yelling or the swearing, that kind of thing, or even that um, kind of like physical aggression, not like hitting, but just, you know, when people's body language comes across as really aggressive, whether you're standing too close or, you know, your posture gets to be a certain way, it just, it's more confrontational. This is kind of probably what people are doing without thinking. So if a resolution is not achieved, then we're going to end up in phase four, which is tension has escalated to like a critical breaking point. There might be unbearable anxiety, increased panic, disordered thinking. Um, A lot of your cognitive functions are going to be impaired. A lot of your physical functions are going to be impaired at this point too. Like even down to some of the basics like digestion (laughs) become interrupted at this point. Yes, because anxiety and um, your gastrointestinal system are highly correlated. Some people actually might enter a psychosis at this particular point in time. Um, People can be a danger to either themselves or others. It's it's a problem. Everybody kind of responds to crisis in their own way. You probably have a, a generalized idea of how you respond to crisis or even how people around you respond to crisis. Everybody goes through crisis um, at various, <laughs> various levels in their lives um, at various frequencies. But there are certain factors that determine the response. And so these are referred to as balancing factors. Um, this is going to include the perception of the event. So this is the perception that one has of an event. Um, It's going to determine their reaction to the situation. If they have a realistic perception and access to adequate resources, restoration of homeostasis or normalcy is going to occur. And then you're going to avoid the crisis. So this is what's going to happen when you're in those like phase ones, phase twos. So this is going to be when a person can distinguish the relationship between the event and the feelings of stress. Availability of situational support. So if the person that's in crisis utilizes support that's available, both either persons or different things in the environment, and they're getting help with that problem solving that they're having troubles with, coping mechanisms that they didn't have before available, this is when you're going to continue to escalate. And the person is more likely to define the event as overwhelming, um, thus increasing possibility here for crisis. Availability of adequate coping skills. Not everybody has great coping skills. Coping skills are usually taught. So depending on your upbringing and the type of people that you're around, that might have something to do with it. Also, the higher that you get into these phases, the less logically you're going to be thinking. So you might forget about something that's worked for you in the past. Yeah, I will say when you get into that that higher level of dysregulation, you it's really hard to use cognitive strategies. Sometimes you can resort to physical strategies, but typically your thinking is so distorted or you may be in somewhat a dissociative state or your brain is running 500 miles a minute. When you're at that higher level, using those coping skills without somebody to assist you is pretty difficult. Well, And if you think about it, like when you're in a crisis... And talk about brains. One of my coworkers would be so proud. You you're switching into your your reptilian part of your brain, which is going to be where you run basically on pure instinct. So when your emotions are level and you have control in that way, 
then you're using your front brain, which is where you're doing all of your cognitive thinking. But when you're in the middle of a crisis, that goes all out the window and everything is just reaction. Um, You'll have a lot of people get that like fight, flight or freeze response at this particular point in time that everybody's kind of familiar with. Um, That's all based on instinct. It's what's, you know, saved us from the dinosaurs, (laughs) um, kept us alive, you know, in the jungle, in the plains, depending on where you're from initially, um, when the Vikings were raiding, what what have you. It's it's what's kept us as a species alive for, you know, thousands of years. The the other concept that is similar and typically well known is the rational mind, the wise mind, and the emotional mind. And the overlap between the rational mind and the emotional mind is your wise mind. And so your wise mind is the balance between your rational and your emotional mind. So when sometimes it's not great to be super heavy on your rational mind, and then a lot of times, like in this kind of a case, it's the emotional mind that takes over. And so the wise mind is the ability to find the balance between the rational and the emotional mind. Yes, this comes from a very famous mental health workbook called Mind Over Mood that has been around for literally ever. Um, but I can I can post the infograph of um, it's a common DBT strategy, so dialectical behavioral strategy, um, very common in that form of practice. It so it's kind of trying to figure out like what part which which brain are you using. And how do you balance that out? To my toolbox to talk about. Right. Um, so the good news is crises, they're acute. They're temporary. Um, they're time limited. Um, ultimately, you can just not, you can't be in crisis constantly because it's exhausting. Well, <laughs> I mean, yes, for you'll eventually, lack of a better. I mean, you'll shut down eventually because you, your body can't be in that state for an extensive period of time like like your body will physically shut down your body like will one stop. way or another yes if you don't control your emotions to the point where you can get yourself out of crisis your body will well because a lot of times big crisis responses like big emotional crisis responses will result in things like panic attacks or full dissociative states or complete shutdown and you cannot be in that state for an extended period of time. Your body won't let you. Like, you've gotten to a point where either it's going to push you so far that you're basically going to pass out, or you're going to take something, possibly, if your coping skills are not working, to help re-set your system. So, yes. You do not want... You cannot be in crisis forever. A perfect world, you are able to balance out and go back to your pre-crisis state okay-ish world is you are learning new skills and then still able to revert back to a pre-crisis state or there might be you know less positive coping skills (laughs) where you know some people drink or take sleeping pills or use illegal substances or resort to other more destructive behaviors um, to kind of let it all out so crises aren't necessarily bad they can stimulate a lot of growth in people. Um, they're, they're good opportunities for people to learn from both themselves, about themselves and about each other. One of those instances where you can look back and be like, okay, so what worked well, what didn't work well, and what do I want to do next time? 
Um, there's some things, obviously, depending on the crisis, that can never be undone, um, depending on what it is. Like, let's say my, I'm in a car accident and, you know, my, my friend dies that's with me. Like, obviously, me getting back to a solid emotional state is not going to bring my friend back to life. But I can, you know, learn different ways to deal with that pain where I'm no longer in a crisis, no longer avoid getting in a vehicle. I was in a car accident on my way to, to Yes, you were. Con. I'm not going to say that for the longest time, I didn't like double check every time I got in the car when there was ice on the ground. Definitely had that, that tension. I was rear-ended in college and it was probably a couple of years before I stopped like having that like brief moment of panic anytime like a car would come up on me from behind too fast in my rear view mirror, like to the point I had to stop looking in, in my rear view mirror when I stopped at a stop. <laughs> Am I ever going to get my car back? That got totaled when it hit the tree. No, I have grown and I no longer freak out as much whenever there's ice on the ground. So, yeah, those are those are crisis in a nutshell. And I would definitely categorize what happened as a crisis response based on the accounts that were given. So, what did Colossal Con do? Colossal Con's an organization. Um, I mean, they did do things very business minded that I would expect to happen in business. So they reallocated their manpower that they had at the event. Um, staff, guests, and volunteers were shifted to cover the vacancies that were created by the walkout. Um, the judges that they had were all given the opportunity to continue judging, but ultimately all of them declined. Um, it is my understanding that one temporarily had their badge revoked, but they did have it back later in the day. Um, the other judges that we saw didn't have their badges revoked. Um, they were wished well when they declined in favor of just going on and enjoying the rest of their convention, um, which contestants were contacted to let them know that the contest was still happening. They were requested to get their audio in and to set their new judging times. Happened for the contest to occur, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, the staff who walked out had their staff privileges revoked, which would have included their staff badges and their staff rooms would consider this to be a normal business practice because if you are no longer providing the service that you are contracted for, then there is no reason for the business to continue to provide you with upgraded free event registration, room and board at the expense of the business. So why would you, and I don't know why you would want to continue to stay at the event under those circumstances anyway. Like, if it got bad enough that you walked out, I don't know why you would want to stay. Right. It seems very strange to me. Yeah, I would assume that Ultimately, if I am contracted to go to an event and I decide I'm not going to do it in the middle of the event, they're absolutely going to take away any compensation that they were giving me, including a badge in a room. I don't know if this group expected to keep their room or not. Um, we don't know that. I just know that that was one of the things that was discussed frequently on the internet. Yes. So we just, from a contract business perspective, this this is normal practice. You would you you cannot get the payment of your contract if you break your contract. Any contract we've signed that basically says if you don't fulfill what we have in this contract that you signed, you're not going to get paid. You're not going to get these things that we promised you. All of our That's contracts normal. say that. That's yeah. Posts regarding the incident on official social media channels were censored. So I would also consider that to be a normal business practice. A lot of the posts that I saw, 
that were either on like individual pages or on unofficial pages or groups would be considered against like terms of service of a lot of platforms yes. or written group rules. And they don't have to allow you to openly bash them on well, their social media right. pages. Yeah. Like that's that's standard for any business to go in and I mean it's not Yelp. <laughs> They're not gonna like put your review up. It's their page. They can what they want on their right well and well and considering colossal con is a large corporation essentially well large corporation in the land of conventions anyway i can only assume that they are likely doing an internal investigation into this situation as well i would assume so Um, because that would also be standard business practice as you would go back and look at the situation from all sides and try to better understand what has occurred and what needs to be improved they call incident management. Which is also why they would also want to not allow all those posts and things because right. they're in the middle of trying to do their own their own work oh, and that on would, it. That would also explain why there has not been any statement on it. And we had a major holiday in the middle of that. So, so. if you're doing an internal investigation correctly, it typically takes time. Um, where I work, it usually takes months. A couple things I did want to address that I saw also that came up either in post videos or comments on social media. Um, judging announcements. So we have competed in Prime on multiple occasions, and the judges were never introduced at the start of a show that I remember ever. So we have to understand that now this show went from what, the Wisconsin community is used to to Prime's format, so it reverted very quickly to Colossal Con's specific format, which is very different from what the Midwest is used to. So all their other shows run exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, for the for Prime East, South, and the cruise, like everything that they do is identical for their contest, is my understanding. For the most part, yeah. There's a little variations, but for the most part, yeah. Um, so Wisconsin was kind of like an exception. Yes. In our experience for Prime specifically, um, craftsmanship judges only showed up for awards in those instances. I'm going to assume that they at that point had returned to their original positions because remember all of these people that were involved in the contest since the entire staff had walked out were essentially barred from other places on staff to begin with. <laughs> you know, we had some volunteers came in we had some other contracted individuals they all had to go back to their jobs that they were originally there to do yeah i asked when we were um chatting at one point we just literally flat out asked them so who are the judges and what are their qualifications essentially yes that's how (laughs) that's how it happened um i was like hey there's been some talk about this and we're gonna have to talk about it and they're like oh well let me tell you so to give you the the basics, um, they've all been around the community for a long time. Um, and by community, I mean involved with Colossal Con specifically for a long time. And you have to remember, Colossal Con in Wisconsin is brand new. But Colossal Con as an organization has been around for years. Like Even before they moved to the first Kalahari, Colossal Convention was a thing in Ohio for several years. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um, so they've all been around for a long time, including competing, judging, and or coordinating contests in the past. Obviously, they're not from this immediate area, which is why I'm assuming most people are unfamiliar with them. Um, one of them has worked as a theater costumer, one as a dressmaker, 
And the other is what I would consider to be like an actual professional cosplayer where they're contracted to and wear cosplay by like either companies or individuals. They asked these individuals to do the craftsmanship judging as opposed to their other contracted cosplayers that were already being paid. So like we were there, sewing was half the battle was there and they felt that these people were qualified enough to the point where they didn't ask either of our groups to assist with craftsmanship judging. So I have no doubt that they felt like these people were qualified. It wouldn't make sense not to use us or sewing if they didn't have qualified people. I know that at least one other person had volunteered to be a craftsmanship judge and they already had. They're like, we've already got it covered. Thank you so much. Like, here's some other ways that you can help. That doesn't make sense if the people that they picked aren't qualified. So just keep that in mind. Um, That being said, I personally am not familiar with their individual works and their specialty areas that they have, if they have any. So I can't comment on the panel like as a whole, as far as like if I was putting together a judging panel, like which areas of crafting were appropriately covered, how much overlap that they had, that kind of thing. Just full disclaimer, I also don't know them, but individually, from what I was told, they seem to be qualified, as you will. Um, I would, however, highly caution against you know, publicly bashing judges. And this isn't any contest situation. I know we've talked about this before. Um, it just comes across as really shitty. Because you're also being shitty about the people that won at that point by saying that they won because the judges were not qualified. Even if you don't come out and say that, that's what the implication is, is that the people that did win didn't deserve to win. And that's not fair. I mean, yeah, if you have issues, the feedback form is your best option. Yeah. So if you did participate and you have questions or commentary about something that happened in judging specifically, I would recommend either replying to the email that you were sent on Saturday from the con itself to indicate your constructive criticism there, or they've also posted their feedback form, which is public. We can even put it in the show link so you can oh, find it. Oh, we can it. absolutely do that. And I would also make sure that any criticism that you're giving is constructive because they are more likely to take constructive feedback from somebody that either personally witnessed something or personally experienced something versus somebody that's just kind of like kicking and screaming or dragging the con about something that they heard third hand on the internet. Performance judges. So allocation hours. We, along with peeping pinup cosplay, um, judged the performance portion of the masquerade. Ultimately decided not to give out judges choice awards for performance due to the quantity of awards available versus the number of performance. As we mentioned a couple times, we reallocated some of our hours. One of our panels got cut. Another panel got shortened so that we would be well rested, essentially, for this particular show. Well, and we were not expected to be overworked over our hours that were in our contract, which was appreciated. But this is also why you need to be careful about saying your judges aren't qualified, because this is the only one that I can get a little I can get a little snippy about because uh, how much more qualified do you want for a performance judge? I mean, I don't think so. it was about you. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but this is why you have to be careful, because if you don't actually know, 
then you may look really silly later. Right. Like you saying that the person that makes and sells clothing isn't qualified for, you know, judging, let's say, sewing. Now, they may not have been what you as the community would have liked to see as judges, and that's different. So if you want Colossal Con to know this is what the Wisconsin community wants to see as judges, then you need to go to the feedback form and you need to tell them specifically what you want to see. So if you're wanting to see local people, you're wanting to see like obvious you know, differences in judges where someone's an armor specialist, someone's a sewing specialist, like you're going to have to tell them that that's what you want to see. Cause well, and I would also just, you know, given the circumstances, I would give some grace to the fact that yes. they had to find people I mean, yeah. super short notice that they could make available for the amount of time that you need to judge a craftsmanship competition, which is not a small amount of time. And I think that they worked well with what they were you know, what resources that they had. I mean, they did what they had to do. Ultimately, the contestants got to have a show because for us, we felt that it was important to make sure that the contestants that wanted to have a show still had a show. Because that's who ultimately the contest is about, is the contestants. We, we want them to have a good experience. And I'm sorry that that didn't happen for everybody or that some people felt like they had to drop because they didn't feel like they were going to have a good experience. We wanted to make sure that we were supportive of those that chose to continue. I mean, it wasn't their fault. You know, it wasn't the contestants fault that any of this happened. So just some other considerations. One thing that I know that we talked about in our, um, is our respect episode. Yes. We're also going to link that in the show notes because I find it very relevant. Yes, it's a There's good like a, um, companion episode to this episode. Especially like right around that like 34, 35 yes. minute mark. Because if you've listened to that episode, you will know that we have had some rough experiences with conventions, but you don't know what conventions or exactly what has happened. Well, and you know that Elle was really, really hesitant about doing that episode yes, I was. to begin with because she didn't want it to potentially damage future relationships or existing relationships that we had with other people or organizations. In this type of circumstance, and I'm not saying that this has happened, um, but you know, it could in a business setting. Um, it's not uncommon, you know, for business relationships to be evaluated if one party has done something which could be considered unfavorable for the other party like I don't talk about specifically where I work because if my job ever decided that I didn't like something that I did in public or on social media or whatever and it's advertised that I work there I could get in trouble at work for that even though I'm not at work particular instance at least a couple people brought up another convention you know, in that my example would be like me saying where I work and what my job is. <laughs> um, so there are several people that I don't know if all of them were ex-staff or if they were just doing this in solidarity um, that either posted, you know, profane or vulgar comments or obscene gestures, either about the convention, the organization that runs the convention or the venue. So that's something to keep in mind. And it wouldn't necessarily be unheard of for other events or other potential events to look at the fact that there was a walkout 
and those types of behaviors that happened afterwards, regardless of what happened, you know, to make this occur to begin with, regardless of what, you know, got the ball rolling on this situation from the get go. They might just look at the fact that it happened in the middle of a con and there was a lockout and be hesitant or scared that that could happen at their event too. Or that, you know, if people are going on Instagram or TikTok and, you know, saying these things about these places or these people or what have you, that, well, what's to prevent them from getting mad at me and doing the same thing? And that is ultimately why we've never spilled the tea on some of the situations that we've been in, because some of them have been just as bad, if not worse, than this situation. I mean, we've had some, you've not heard about them, but we have had some, le- well, and the thing is, part of it, you've never heard about ours, ours were never happened super publicly. We have had some really bad experiences with conventions to the point where we're like, why the heck do we still do this when people <laughs> I mean, treat us this you're way? You're not wrong. But you don't hear about it because it's like, well, we don't want talking about this incident to damage our relationship or future relationships with these other conventions. And I guess part of me is also just like, I want to be known for like what I do and not for what happened to me. Yeah, that's also true. Because we could have, I mean, boy, could we have some social media numbers if we talked about some of the stuff that's happened to us. But I don't want to be known for those things that I want to forget some of the things that like, we still have one in particular that gives me like a panic response if I so much as start like, I need to not think about it right now because it's doing it right now. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Like, nope, I legit, I have an incident that still makes me like have a legit panic response to it. And I don't want to be known as the person that experienced that at X convention. Like, I don't want that to be my like identity to others. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, I just don't, I don't want to be known as the people that were treated like this by this con or these cons or whatever. Like, I don't. A lot of conventions right now seem to be having problems with me and frontline staff. How do we fix it? I think when possible, it's more important to focus on like the systemic issues versus specific people because staff turn over constantly. So like focusing on the one person doesn't do anything if you don't fix the culture or the systems that are in place that enable the behavior to begin with. So what can we do? You know, what can we put in place to these like unproductive, abrasive personalities from getting promoted? That's a great question. That's hard because... Unfortunately, a lot of stuff has to do with nepotism. Well, that and those type of personalities tend to be very, like, outspoken and, you know, involved. (laughs) And so they move their way through the ranks. I mean, those, like, extroverted people that are willing to take charge of situations. And a lot of those types of personalities fit into that category. I mean, I think training is something that could definitely be offered more so for, you know, con stuff, whether it's, you know, social and emotional learning training, verbal de-escalation, diversity and inclusion, discrimination. There's lots of resources out there for organizations. And a lot of these have already taken hold in like corporate America, Mm -hmm. where I think that they would also be beneficial for these types of highly volunteer organizations. Like you think about um, complaints about security all the time. And sometimes it's just you might have people who aren't necessarily like those unproductively abrasive personalities all the time but when they get triggered by certain events or you know you've got to do the thing 
sometimes the thing happens in a way that maybe later when you look back on it wasn't as productive as it could have been. If something happens, what type of reporting structure is currently available, if any, um, for the you know airing and resolution of different grievances? So most actual companies will have that, at least. Um, is there a clear chain of command? Is it well known and understood within the organization? A lot of times, I'm going to say no. This, I think, is the big problem with conventions right here. I think this is one of the biggest issues is the chain of command is not well understood within the organization at a lot of cons. And that's when you have too many people trying to like, you know, take the lead or no one knows who to go to. Yeah. And so then it ends up all haphazard. And then is management responsive to the concerns of frontline staff? This is also the other major problem with conventions that I've noticed is not necessarily taking requests or the um, feedback. But then I've also seen some cons do really well with taking feedback. Nebrascon did like a 180. So you may not, may or may not know, Nebrascon's cosplay contest was a disaster last year. Lots of things happened. I won't go into it, but it's all over their social media from last year. Um, My understanding is this year was completely like complete change. They took all the feedback that they were given and they made a ton of changes. If you give constructive feedback in a constructive way, change can occur. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) So one of the other things I've seen pop up a lot lately is um, the question as to why convention volunteers don't unionize. And the short answer is that they can't because they're not considered employees because they don't get paid. Right. But um, there is definitely precedent in at least America for what's known as like an alt labor organization. They have a little bit of a different operating model than a traditional union, but they have very similar like old in terms of working conditions, scheduling, and overall fairness. Coven is what popped up in Ohio, Mm -hmm. which is the Conventions of Ohio Volunteer Event Network. I would love to see something like this in like every region. Right? On the downside, I feel like this would need really passionate people that both have experience in collective bargaining and convention operations. And I would say that the number of people that both are like well-versed in collective bargaining like for traditional unions and have worked on like an executive board for a convention there's probably not very many of us that have both of those like very specific qualifications that's true is i don't know anybody else like off the top of my head besides me i like, couldn't no I mean, that's no, ever. No. So I guess you can just run all the like no, volunteer unions of conventions in America. No, I don't want that. That sounds terrible. No, thank you. <laughs> that sounds awful. So, um, yeah. yes. So, as we've mentioned many, many times, here's the thing Colossal Con's not going to go anywhere. The company Colossal Con has an exclusive contract with the Kalhari. They are not going to go anywhere. The Kalhari will, com- will keep them till the end of time. It's not going to go anywhere. What you can do as a community is give them 
constructive feedback so that hopefully they will learn and evolve from this experience so that it doesn't have to be this odd man out in the Wisconsin community. And the thing about collective bargaining is that the reason why collective (laughs) bargaining works is because there are so many voices involved. That's true. Oh, honestly, your best way to make changes in organizations that you don't like is to be the change you want to see in the world. Is to actually join the organization. So obviously for places that have like super problematic, let's say, convention chairs, for example, that's not going to fix anything because most conventions, unless they are like a not-for-profit with like a board of directors that's voted on, you know, if you don't like the CEO of a company, you're not going to change that by joining staff. But if your problem is with their policies and not with one specific person, systems that are in place, those are that can be changed. And it's going to take a change in workplace culture to make that happen. Problem is with North itself or an incident that occurred at North and not with Donnell, who's the CEO of the company, nostalgia conventions or whatever. If your issue is with North and not with Donnell, then joining North is going to be the best way to actually make a change within that organizational structure, which I know sounds like counterproductive, but that's literally how collective bargaining works. But we can... All the voices come together and are very, they're very, very quiet on their own, but they're very, very loud when they are in unison. But we can also understand why that may not be the approach that you want to take. So a secondary approach can be to send constructive feedback in through their feedback form. Um, As we saw from NebraskaCon, that made a massive difference. They made a feedback form for the convention. The contestants sent in feedback and they made a bunch of changes. So if the con is willing to listen, it can work. You need to be specific about what you want them to do. Yes. So like we talked about the judges, if there's something that the Wisconsin community specifically wants to see from judges, you need to tell Colossal Con because they do things very differently than we do in the Midwest. And we've been judged by the Colossal Con, as we mentioned before, like it's very different. So you have to tell them what you want to see. If you want to see something specifically from the MCs, because I know some people are complaining about that, you have to tell them what you want to see. Like they can't, they can't read our minds. You have to tell them what you want to see. And if you want to see certain changes made in policies, procedures, um, interactions between contractors and staff, you know, higher up relations, you have to tell them what you spe- specific changes you want to see them do or specific suggestions of things you think they can do. Because as Ash said, yelling at them in text isn't going to solve anything. It's kind of up to the community really if they want to attempt to give this convention what may assist them in improving in the future that doesn't work take it over by force (laughs) yes because that's gonna work oh i mean that's exactly that's essentially what it is i mean you get the volunteers in the volunteers are really loud and then things happen i mean yes that is technically how I mean, that it's not works. as aggressive as that sounds. It, but, but yes, I you mean, made it sound like we're going to storm the castle and take this over. This isn't like a mutiny or anything. Like, like they still have their people in place, and there are still things. Right. But if you have some, like 
Okay, look at it this way, though. If I, and I am telling you about all the ways that I hate you and how I deserve free things. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to you. Right, you're not going to listen to me. No, I'm not going to listen to you. If I join your organization because I recognize that water parks and anime conventions make a really cool combo. I join your organization and I, you know, put man hours in, whether it's on like before the con with planning or, you know, giving my feedback for different things or I, you know, put in volunteer convention or whatever. If I put my own, a little piece of my own self, people are more likely to listen to me and my feedback because I am also invested future of the event but yes i totally understand if you don't feel like you could do it for whatever reason well and it's totally valid if you're like i just don't want anything to do with this convention ever again like that's also also a valid valid response like you don't have to give them feedback you don't have to go to this con like that is a completely so many other cons you could go to yeah go somewhere else like that's fine like you you do not have to feel obligated to try to give feedback or assist in any way like that's it is completely okay to decide that you want nothing to do with this convention we are giving you all of the options that are available depending on what you would like to do as a wisconsin community member there are so many in other the future. options for you oh yeah no there's there's so many conventions just in wisconsin but really ultimately it's up to the individual Yes, 34 fandom, 40, 34 Wisconsin? fandom related events. Oh my God. Including. So, you, so see, you've got options. Like. Pop up show, like the same weekend in a nearby city. And then add, like, literally everything There's in Chicago so many options. that's only like an hour to two hours away. Like, depending where you live in Wisconsin. But yeah, you guys got options. So, you know, ultimately, it's up to the individual what they want to do. Please do not harass each other for making choices. People have a false sense of responsibility for things that they're ultimately not responsible for, like Mm -hmm. community. Your feelings are valid. Um, Your opinions are valid. And ultimately, how you choose to deal with the situation is your own decision. But don't be mean to your other Wisconsinites over how they choose to react to the situation. Because, cool. That being said, we've been talking for a really long time. This is, yes, this, I mean, I'm going to cut this episode down, but it is going to be a substantially longer episode than usual because we essentially did two episodes in one episode. Um, I'm sure this is not remotely the episode you expected to have. I hope you learned something about crisis intervention and management. These things have been happening at cons because obviously, as we mentioned, there's been a lot of cons that have been like falling. Yes, just falling. Like everything is fine, but it's all on fire. And so hopefully this explained where maybe some of that comes from and ultimately possibilities of why why you had to wait an extra week. So this was also obviously not the episode we planned to have on this convention either. And um, the convention is also aware of this episode's existence. This is not a gotcha. So this is not going to be a surprise to them. It's in our contract that we have to do an episode on this convention. They absolutely do. Like they know. Nobody panic, be like, do they know you're doing this? Yeah, they know. They're they're aware that there's an episode coming out. It's in our we contract. About, I mean, um, and we told them flat out, we have to talk about this. We can't ignore it. Like, we're going to have to talk about it. Because it should be talked about. These situations should be discussed. 
So ideally, our next episode will be much lighter than this. But that being said, I'm Ash. <laughs> I'm Al. <laughs> it's bedtime. <laughs> this is Shenanigans Cosplayers <laughs> Day. <laughs> Bye. Uh, it's bedtime. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> You've been listening to Shenanigans Cosplayers Say, produced by LVC Productions. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at Lavi Cosplay. Our podcast Instagram is Podcast SCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay related story, absurd cosplay question, or just something in general to share with us, email us at podcastscs at gmail.com or DM us at podcastscs or Lavi Cosplay on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should.